Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Today, we're looking at the Minnesota Vikings 31-23 victory over the Houston Texans. I was specifically interested in this game because news has come out yesterday that the Houston Texans fired their coach and GM, Bill O'Brien. You know, it's not surprising after a 0-4 and four start, but I wanted to see if there was a point in the game where there was an obvious time where the coaching decisions made a difference in the game in what should have been a winnable game versus the Vikings, who were also 0-3 at the time. There's probably a point where the tires hit the road at this, in this game when the Texans got down. The, the game was tied. The Texans got down and after a touchdown, went three and out. Vikings score again. And while the Texans probably had time to try and come back from that, they ran the ball a lot more than a team that's down two touchdowns should, and it ended up costing them the game. I mean, they ended up scoring, but there wasn't enough time to really do anything to make this game winnable. And it really seemed to boil down to coaching decisions as far as the way he called the plays, the way he set up his team, the trades he's made, it all added up finally to letting him go. I'm really surprised they did it now, but I think overall Texans fans are relieved that it's happening. It feels like a wasted year of Deshaun Watson's youth, but at the same time, he didn't sign a Patrick Mahomes contract that's 12 years. He signed one that's more around the four years, I believe. They still have to make him believe in them if he's going to stay there beyond this contract. He took the contract now because it's a ton of money and he wanted the security, but I can't imagine he's been happy with the way the organization has been run. And I can tell you with a certain amount of certainty that the Texans fans are relieved to have this go ahead and happen. I mean, especially after an 0-4 start, there's uh, typically not making the playoffs after that. So what's the point, I guess, is what they were thinking. I mean, they had to have known that there's a big issue with letting go of their coach at this point for the rest of their season. You know, Deshaun Watson's great, and they have their quarterback of the future locked up, and that's the, that's the first thing that you have to have. But at the same token, you need to have a strong coach, and you need to have a strong GM making decisions and when they're the same person unless it's Bill Belichick who's able to police himself a little bit better than others it hasn't really worked out all that well you know we can go all the way back to Mike Holmgren I mean it's it just really hasn't been a good situation so I'm, I'm sure they're relieved to be done with it uh, and, and you know really they just need to look for a strong GM look for a strong coach and make draft picks because they have people signed at the critical positions it's just you know, what do they do with the edges of the roster? How do they fill out the roster with their draft picks? And just, they haven't been doing it in the recent years, and it's going to take some time for them to come back from that. The good news is when you've got Deshaun Watson, you can build off of that. As long as someone's making smart decisions for them in the draft room, by the time the third year comes up and they're, they're really working off of this, they should be fine and they should be reclamated completely and should be contending at that point. But it didn't even take three years. It can turn around so quickly in the NFL because the contracts are so short and the turnaround is so short on a lot of these players that you just, you just are able to do it a lot quicker than you are in the NBA or, or baseball where it takes a lot more time and there's a lot more developmental time. You know, they get a little bit more seasoning in college and we have a little bit more idea of what they can do coming out. And so if they don't show it immediately, you know, the next wave is going to come in and take over for that. Or, so a lot of times that's why you see these big steps up from sophomore and junior or second or third year players 
is that they see the writing on the wall that if they don't make that step up, they're going to be out of the league and the, the honeymoon's over at, at a certain point and they have to go in. And uh, speaking of the honeymoon's over, I guess uh, it's over for Bill O'Brien. I still trust Deshaun Watson. I bring that up immediately because there is something to having a coaching change really affect a team in midstream like this. Now I'm guessing they're going to keep a lot of the personnel in place and they're going to try to keep the game plans in place and just give them a better tweak and everything. But still somebody's going to need to come in here and put their fingerprints on this offense and really do something with Deshaun's Watson's talent. He's absolutely talented. He needs somebody leading him. He needs better pieces around him. Otherwise he's going to be running for his life the rest of his career. And I don't think see, see that for him. And I think that's the reason he signed the length of the contract he did to put pressure on them to get something done before that. Whereas if you're Patrick, you're really putting your faith in the organization that they're going to get something right. Uh, I think he has a lot more cause to believe the Chiefs organization will do so, whereas the Texans organization has been a, a middling to lower tier organization under what they've been doing so far. And uh, really, we need to see some big changes here. Hopefully, they put this in the hands of some smart football people. The only problem is there's not too many of those going around. Those are all employed already, typically. So they'll have to kind of reach out and find a diamond in the rough. But here's hoping they do so because I want to see Deshaun Watson have better stability, have better control of his situation, and be able to produce. And it's been affecting him so far in his fantasy production. So when I say, you know, there can be some fluctuations in, you know, the production and the coaching staff and all that, I don't see that it's really going to affect affect Deshaun as much. And really, I can't imagine that it doesn't at least help things. I don't think it can really get much worse. So, you know, I think he's capable of producing where he was drafted, but, you know, you're much happier if you drafted Kyler at this point. Uh, you know, some of the more, more stable teams, but still, if you've got him, that, that it is what it is. You just need to stick with him and hope that the coaching staff kind of gives them a bump. Typically, at least in that first week, it happens. So everybody's relieved it's over. They come out hot. They try to show that it wasn't them. It wasn't their fault. So there may be this one one or two big week spike, and there'll be a little change in the way they're doing things, so it won't be as predictable to the def- defenses. So there may be a two-week spike. That might be a good time to trade out after he does kind of spike at that point. I mean, if it does happen, that's that's the time to do so. You might be stuck with him, but still, I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue, even if you are. I had high hopes for the Houston Texans receiving core to start the year. Despite trading DeAndre Hopkins, you know, they had traded for Brandon Cooks. They still had Will Fuller. They, they had traded for Kenny Stills in that time, and they signed Randall Cobb to a lucrative contract. So on paper, that does seem to equal that they should have a good receiving core. However, none of the receivers are really possession receivers exactly. Even Cobb is more just a run after the catch option, really. And while, okay, that may be underselling him a little bit. He's he's better than that. But still, they didn't really exactly replace the things that DeAndre Hopkins brings to the table. And of course... Let's go ahead and heap this back on the the grave of Bill O'Brien that, you know, that was a horrible call to make that trade. David Johnson has looked just fine and has plenty of bursts. So that hasn't been a complete dumpster fire that really would have set this off, but not replacing that Hopkins production for Deshaun, that security blanket, not having a good tight end, just the whole thing, just it's a mess. And you throw in the offensive lineman they drafted and just the, the way their line is set up on top of everything. I mean, and I don't see how it's going to get better with Deshaun making more money. So you're going to have to draft better and you're going to have to do better with your GMing. And it comes back to this is the reason they got Bill O'Brien out of there this week. 
Now, Will Fuller has been healthy other than his uh, stretching incident where he had a, the goose egg in week two, and that has been a, a nice sight to see. And it hasn't all been on long plays, although he did have the 43-yard play today, and he did get the touchdown. It's just, uh, you know, it's been more – it has looked better than I expected from a possession standpoint because they've needed that role. They've kind of had to force him into that a bit and it's taken a little bit away from his long catches, but more catches is absolutely good for him. And he will break one. Eventually they will have those times. It's just, that's part of the reason they're doing what they're doing right now, because it hasn't been as open and it hasn't been working. And uh, it's a two part thing when you're the GM and the coach. So Will Fuller has been good. It's still hard to trust him week to week, but you know, if you're going to trust any of the Houston wide receivers, he's the only one I would be on. The rest of them don't really seem even rosterable at this point because of the way the offense has been, despite one of my friends calling Brandon Cooks a top 25 wide receiver to start the year. He quickly went back on that after he saw what they did in the first game. And, of course, with the zero for zero today, that's going to be hard to trust him going forward just as much as it is hard to trust Kenny Stills or Randall Cobb. So I don't think that any of them are rosterable despite the Kenny Stills touchdown today. I don't see that being something that changes just because of a coaching change either. I think really if I'm only looking at the wide receivers, I'm probably only looking at Will Fuller and probably not looking at any of the tight end options as well. You know, it's not David Johnson's fault as far as his production so far. You know, when he has lanes to run through, when he has space to run in, he's absolutely been fine with that. And I have to admit, he's beat my expectations as far as the eyeball test goes. It's just he hasn't really been super productive on a game-to-game basis. While there's been pieces of production there, it hasn't put it all together yet. And while there's certainly a possibility for that, maybe they commit more to the run and maybe they scheme a little bit better towards that, that's not a given. And this line is not an asset in that way. They're not really good in either aspects necessarily they have Laramie Tunsil so he's good and they're able to work off that a bit but in the running game it just hasn't really meshed together and when there's weak links in the chain that's not going to mean for successful rushing attack going forward so I don't see that being something that gets corrected just by coaching change necessarily we'll be hopeful and while he's still definitely a flex option and he's definitely still a better option than you're going to have at running back in a lot of instances it's not something I'd be targeting and it's not somebody I'd be trying to get back in a trade either so while he has value and you drafted him you drafted him it is what it is And while you might need to start him in injury situations and he's probably going to score and he's going to have some time, I just don't expect him to put it all together at once week to week and really be able to provide running back one value, maybe not even high end running back two value. So it's probably going to be a low end running back two and flex value going forward. We'll see what he can do. Like I said, the burst is there. So if, if it's a low end, if you can get a low end by low on him, I mean, by all means do so, but it's going to have to be something really low. And you're really going to need a running back in that instance. So you're not going to really want to give up much assets in that, in that way. I usually start with the winning side. I usually start, would have started with the Minnesota Vikings. But with the change in coaching, I definitely had to go with the Houston Texans today first. You know, seeing the death knell of that coaching staff when they were running the ball in the fourth quarter when they had to come back urgently after the 
two touchdowns. It was just all a snowball of nastiness that finally came down. I mean, it's been happening. My friends have been talking about this for years about what are they going to do with this guy? And while they drafted Deshaun Watson and that gave him a little bit more of a honeymoon period, it's kind of like the same thing with Jason Garrett. You know, he just, they just held on too long and they, they wanted the continuity and they wanted it to work so bad. They didn't want to look wrong. And I understand that, but they're certainly looking at themselves in the mirror now and what are we going to do from here? Hopefully they have a good game plan and we'll see what they can do. But like I said, we're going over to Minnesota. They actually won this game and it's not like Houston just lost it. and Minnesota didn't do anything to win this game. They absolutely made some plays here. You know, I was proud of Kirk cousins today. The numbers didn't necessarily blow you away. 260 yards passing and a touchdown. The thing that made me proud of him was he was moving the ball down the field well. He was throwing the ball down the field well. He wasn't dinking and dunking. And uh, he was using his two primary weapons down the field. And it really led them to this victory. Kirk made an amazing throw to really ice it, too. It was an incredible throw. I want to see more of this. I like the way that they've unlocked the offense. And... While I still don't know if it was worth trading Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson has absolutely equated himself well, and I think he's going to be a quality addition for Kirk Cousins. Now, while I don't think that vaults Kirk Cousins into quarterback one value, I don't even think it really locks him into quarterback two value necessarily, but I think you could be okay with that in two quarterback league. I think you'd be okay with Kirk Cousins. So if you can make a big trade for one of your quarterbacks, you may want to look into that. Because I think the way they're going to throw the ball, that may benefit Kirk Cousins and, and the offense going forward. However, that would be an absolutely bold move. I think I'd be happier with Kirk Cousins as my quarterback three in a quarter, two quarterback league or as a streaming option during these upcoming bye weeks. Now, of course, you also want to be wary. You may want to have a backup quarterback so that, you know, COVID times pop up and you're prepared for that. That's been something that's been a little bit more crazy than other times. It's a good time to be as cautious as possible with these things, with these trades, because you think you know everything with these games. At the same time, this would have been the fourth preseason game, and teams are still gelling. Teams are, teams are still coming into their own during that time and then are, have ramped up a good deal. So these games may be a little bit more ramp up than ever before. I mean, there's running backs that didn't do a lot – during the first four weeks either, but then blew up and then did other things. So you want to be careful while you're trading during this time. However, we do know a good deal about a lot of these players. So you do want to try and take advantage of people that aren't watching the games or not listening to me to figure out what happened. So Kirk definitely moved the ball better, but we're still not buying quite at the peak, but I am very encouraged by his ability to support two options in the passing game. None of which are a tight end. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, go ahead and write that off. There's too much Irv around, and uh, he just doesn't quite have the same things he used to have. He's still going to score a couple of touchdowns, but he is one of the lower-end options as far as people that can fall into the end zone you know, for a tight end. So let's talk about the two options that are actually good to go, and that's Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I told you last week that despite Adam Thielen only having the 46 yards, he saved it with the touchdown, and he definitely looked like he had plenty of burst, and he showed you today eight receptions, 114 yards on 10 targets in the touchdown. 
he was making beautiful catches for his quarterback. He was moving around well. He was getting separation. And getting separation for a quarterback like Kirk Cousins is paramount because he doesn't really throw you open as much as other quarterbacks do. But he is good at hitting his open receivers and throwing the ball when he has a clean pocket. So he can he is absolutely serviceable for Adam Thielen. So if you're trying to trade for Adam Thielen, I'm confident in that. Historically, Gary Kubiak offenses are absolutely capable of sustaining at least one wide receiver. I mean, it's just uh, it's the X receiver. They usually pepper him with targets, and he's usually able to convert on a possession basis and then get loose for the touchdowns and the like as well. And Adam Thielen is absolutely capable of that with health. So he looks healthy. He looks like he has burst. So the eye test adds up. So definitely trade Thielen with some confidence. Same thing with Justin Jefferson. If you picked him up, he's going to be a bigger part of the offense going forward. They already have up to snaps and – I see nothing but burst from him. He's on the move. He's getting matchups. They're looking to utilize him in those matchups, and it shows. It's really done a lot for their offense. And uh, I'd like to have seen what they could have done opening it up a little bit earlier because their defense is still absolutely nothing to write home about. Their defense is absolutely somebody to target because the te- and the Texans took advantage of that to some degree. But really, there's a lot more exploitable plays that they could have run on this Vikings defense, and they just weren't able to do so. I mean, even with Harrison Smith getting kicked out of the game, it still wasn't enough. Eric Kendricks was all over the field. So anyway, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, both still good to go. Definitely not sure if I'm buying Justin Jefferson quite as a wide receiver too quite yet, but... I don't think anybody that picked him up in desperation is going to quibble with trying that start. Might be trying to flex him out more if I can help it. But still, I think you're happy with what's going on, and uh, we'll hope to see that continue. Well, when you're talking about the Minnesota Vikings, you're still talking about the main event being Dalvin Cook, and today was no different. You know, he had the 27 carries, and really the only reason he didn't have more and the only reason he missed another touchdown because he had two was the fact that they just didn't want to give him 35 touches and blow him out in this game. But they they nearly needed to. Luckily, they do own Alexander Madison. Now, I hope Dalvin Cook stays healthy more than most people. But should something happen to Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison absolutely has the chops to take this running game over. So he's one of the best lottery tickets you can have on your bench, you know, should something happen to one of the running backs. It happens to everyone, and we don't have any worse wishes on anyone, but that's the game we're playing. And you want to have lottery tickets like Chase Edmonds, like Alexander Madison on your bench, like Latavius Murray. So if one of these bigger, bigger options happens and someone like Mike Davis, who is tearing it up for Carolina, you know, you have that on your bench already. You don't have to fight him on the waiver wire. And then boom, he steps into running back one and two value and you're cooking with gas at that point. So Alexander Madison, you know, he's probably going to be dropped by a lot of people just because Dalvin's tearing it up. But if you have a spot and you want to have that lottery ticket, I absolutely recommend doing that. Now, that's not to say it's going to happen because I'll tell you what, Dalvin Cook looks so good, so healthy. So knock on wood, he keeps it going. He has plenty of bursts. And man, I want to see a foot race between some of these running backs because I think he'd be one of the fastest ones. And he has a good amount of power too. 
And that's kind of a scary combination for the rest of the league because he's able to run through those arm tackles and run away from you and catch the ball and do everything Minnesota needs him to do. And they're running a power running game. I mean, just the ands seem seem to add up for him. And when you add those ands up, it equals a stud running back, somebody you want to trade for, somebody that you want to have. Don't even come after me in, in my leagues because he's already on the team and he's not going anywhere. So he's going to be tearing it up for this team. And if with the – it's just backing everybody off that they're able to throw the ball. And since Kirk Cousins isn't a volume passer in the first place, it doesn't put Dalvin in jeopardy. And even if it did, they know they need to feature him and they will throw it to him if needed as well. I mean, he only had the two catches today, but that was just only a function of just how it worked out. And they're not really taking him out as much as they were in the two-minute and four-minute situations where, you know, you're supposed to be passing. They know they need to feature him, and they know they need the ball in his hands to move the ball down the field. So he's one of your more secure running back options. So that's why you're buying if you can get him in a two-for-one deal. He'll be the best player in any trade at this point nearly. So clearly we're buying Dalvin. It's definitely a better day for the Vikings when they can move the ball on the Texans in their cornerback options. So there could be tougher days, clearly, for Minnesota. But even if they're bad, even if they have a bad day, they're going to have to come back a lot of times. And there's going to be a lot of garbage time in those games. And garbage time counts just as much as regular time when we're talking about fantasy football. Well, anyway, guys, that's what I've got for this game today. It was a fun game. Uh, not so fun for Texans fans, I guess, though. Uh, you know, it is what it is, though. I, I got to imagine that they're relieved and uh, they'll they'll take the loss to get rid of Bill O'Brien at this point. It just wasn't going to work out. I uh, appreciate your time. I hope you listen, like, subscribe, especially in download so we can keep this going. And I uh, hope you all have a great day. <laughs>